Welcome back to Inside Four Walls. I'm your host, James Madison, and for those of you who have been following along on the YouTube channel, I've been uh, a little preoccupied over the last few weeks, and this will be a uh, a catch-up and synopsis right before we get right back into the regularly scheduled programming of covering news that makes the government and its elected officials look terrible. So, I rolled out around March 1st. I arrived, I say around because I can't remember I left at after or before midnight, so either way. But I joined the convoy March 2nd. I met them, well, I met up with them in Indianapolis, Indiana. And I rode with them from there to Ohio to Hagersville Speedway in Maryland. In Hagerstown. Keep saying Hagersville, it's Hagerstown. And I stayed there until about a week ago. About a week ago. Anyway. Uh, I had rode up there with a friend of mine who was a school teacher, but she returned to Michigan because she only could get a substitute for the week. So. I uh, decided I'd stick around. I got fired from my job, which, I mean, those who've listened to the podcast through the uh, whole mandate era of this country, or during the vaccine mandate phase of this Biden administration, probably a better way of putting it, know that I really, really enjoyed my job. And it was a shame that I constantly had to keep considering being fired or leaving. But, You know, at that point, when I was here, I was like, this is a cross between Woodstock and Occupy Wall Street. A sort of truck stock, if you would. That's not my original term either. I'm stealing that. Um, so I was like, this is possibly a once-in-a-lifetime thing. I'm going to film it and record it till, till the last truck, the last convoy left. And part of me still intends to do that. It's just, well, I'll get to what the it's just really is. Um, so my ride goes back to Michigan and I stay. I sleep next to a bonfire at, you know, for about four nights. Uh, originally, I just have a tarp and a space blanket and uh, a coat. So I'm sleeping in that, but every day I woke up with a new blanket on me or a sleeping bag thrown over me. So by the end of the fourth night, it was like 15, 16 degrees at night, but I have a space blanket. I'm working a space blanket in a sleeping bag with two more blankets over me and a tarp. So all in all, you know, I'm doing a lot better than I originally thought I would be doing. And the DJ, whose name is DJ Ricky Bobby, he pulls up in his bus and he's like, hey, you can uh, crash my bus. I just have to help me with equipment and stuff because he, has all, he was doing the PA system. Well, he volunteers time to do the PA system, speakers and all that. So for, for for most of the time, when they were doing the morning and evening meetings, they were using Ricky's PA system. And, you know, I don't know what any of the wires do, but ultimately all I had to do was carry two of the massive stage speakers. So that was my job. In exchange for a place to sleep. I carried the speakers to a morning meeting that was more likely than not to be at anyway. So I took the deal, and that was my, my life for a while. Sleep on a bus at night. Well, carried the uh, speakers to the stage in the morning, 
live stream, hang out with people during the day. Maybe I go on the Beltway. Maybe I stay back and film things back at camp. You know, one way or the other. Uh, and it was all going pretty hunky-dory. I was volunteering in the food area, well, the donation area specifically. I wasn't in the kitchens or anything, but I was working with a lady named Rose who ran the food area. I keep saying that. Sorry, the donation area. In the donation area, it was mostly food, but uh, I don't know how to help unload these trailers or U-Hauls or whatever it might be full of donations, and it was anything you could imagine. Little grills, propane tanks, gallons of gas, food of all kinds, preserves of all kinds, uh, any kind of uh, personal amenity many you can think of, toothpaste, toothpaste, razors, electric, non-electric, um, brushes, comb, shampoo, conditioners, body washes, lotions, anything like that. Um, usually a few thousand, if not... Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll say that. At least a few thousand dollars worth of uh, donations, if not more. There's also clothes, TVs. Uh, I don't know why you TVs, but then I saw the inside of a sleeper, and I was like, oh, these things can actually... You can, you can put a lot in a sleeper, which is a, a truck that people live in for semi-drivers. <laughs> or truck drivers. And bobtails are in all kinds of terms. So that was my life. Hang out, live stream, carry speakers. Uh, if I saw some place I could help out, I helped out. Walk around at night, pick up trash around the campsites. Every camp was like a new little uh, community that built itself up in the convoy movement, which I thought was really cool. We never agreed on a name for mine. It was like Camp Mad Max or uh, Camp Swamp Ass. I don't remember who I first heard called Swamp Ass, but that was the one I stuck with because there was a camp called Camp Badass, and then there was another couple ones who last name with asses. So, we could go with Camp Badass. Instead of uh, Camp Badass, we could have been Camp Madass, bringing in that Mad Max and Swamp Ass combination. But, you know. And I uh, made a lot of friends at the camp, too. And a lot of friends I, I probably will stand by, despite how they're attacked in the media. So, we'll get to that in a minute as we continue. Actually, no, we'll get to that now. I met a bunch of people. Uh, you know, fuck it. I met a bunch of uh, boog types. And you know what? As I've said in this podcast before, when I've covered the boogaloo, out of all these political factions... They're the ones I could align with the most. Libertarian and not fed and tested like the like the Proud Boys. And I don't know if you've been around long enough, you don't mind you with the Proud Boys. Used to document and film them, and then just a chairman after chairman was a fed. Or an informant and so on and so forth. But I met a bunch of Boogaloo boys there, and you know, I've always worn Hawaiian t-shirts. We got along swimmingly. And I proudly stand by the fact that I made friends with people who are in the Boogaloo. Bunch of cool-ass people. And I'll throw this in here now. Unlike any other faction that's out there, BLM, Antifa, Proud Boys, whatever. When a member of the Boogaloo does go rogue, they get denounced and like publicly ridiculed and denounced by the rest of the organization. Which, using the word organization is really not a good word for what they are. It's a you know non-centralized 
no leader type of movement or group. And they're fucking awesome. So you got a problem with me liking them and uh, supporting them as a group? Fuck you. Not my problem. But moving on. I recommend you actually read into them. At least they're trying to make peace deals with people. Now, continuing the story. Uh, so things go on, pretty normal, standard fare, no big deal, no big deal. Every night it's bonfires and beer, and morning meeting, and then afternoon meeting. It was eventually around the time when two organizers left, that would be Brian and Mike. Now... Brian announced a couple of days before he did that he was going to go return back and see his family. And then the day he left, he said Mike Landis was going to stay and run the convoy while he was gone. But then Mike left like a day later. <laughs> and it was very distinct that the tone had shifted. Uh, everyone was laughing, sharing, going up to different fires of beer and just... You know, shooting the shit. Some people had that good green with them that they were passing around. It's legal in Maryland, by the way. It's legal in D.C. proper, too. So are shrooms. That's a that's a wild change in the year I've been gone from D.C. Shrooms and marijuana are legalized there. But those fucking prices are insane. Um, Again, that's off topic. I'm quite tired. Now... Let's get to the day where I'm kicked out. At this point, a bunch of people have been kicked out, and a lot of people were bullied into leaving, and a lot of people just didn't like the direction things were going in, and they left. And there was also a group of people, you know, a handful of them left to go to work, make some money, and then come back. (laughs) And so numbers were dwindling a little bit, but it, uh... It wasn't for any of the reasons the media was accusing at the time. So, when I went to bed the night before the incident, and I'll get into the incident in a minute, my understanding of things was we were going to talk about, well, we were going to start with the prayer, and then we are going to have a morale, a little pep talk where we are like, look, we know people have been feeling X, Y, and Z kind of way, but it's important that we keep the faith and hold the line kind of a thing. Uh, and there's this guy named Jersey J who that same night was like, hell yeah, man, you do that. I'm on your side. You know, I'll, I'll be there for you. I'll come up and I'll talk. And then the morning came. We do what we normally do. I wake up, barely conscious, grab a, grab the two speakers. Dude grabs, uh, Ricky grabs the backpack with the cables in it and, and the other speaker. And we all go walking to the front. We set up the equipment. I go set my camera up on the corner of the stage because, you know, they're doing the prayer and they made a big ring with people holding hands, literally singing hymns. So I was like, oh, money shot. So I threw my microphone up on the stage or my cameras, everything set up on the corner of the stage and started filming. Walked over to the editor stage behind the, and stood behind the speaker so I could be on camera and be part of what was going on. And like I said, the plan that I understood prayer pep talk now i did understand the pep talk could be a little troublesome because we were gonna you know we're gonna bring up things like you know people have been leaving you know because they felt like they were bullied and some people felt like they were unfairly kicked out 
and we're going to address that, you know, and, and not me. I was just going to film it and carry the equipment. At no point did I speak once during this whole morning meeting, nor was I going to, nor was I supposed to. Now, who was supposed to was Jersey. And I'll get to that in a second. By the way, his name is Jason George, and he has a criminal record. You might as well look up Jason George ex-con and enjoy the reading from there. Just Google it. It'll come up. Um, that's the kind of people that were rubbing shoulders with the organizers of the convoy. By the way, again, Jason George, ex-con with a gun. Just type that into Google. It will come right on up. That guy was the streamer. They just chose to be buddy-buddy and let them li- let him live stream them talking to politicians. Uh, I'm not going to explain to you why that may have been kind of funny of a choice. But just, just read into it. It's also on my getter if you want to go look at it. That whole arc was on my getter. It's from the Daily Voice, so it's actually NewsGuard recognized. I'm off topic. Let me get back to topic. So, again, I didn't speak. And then when I did speak, it was when Marcus and Trucker G ran up and said, take the microphone out. And I didn't. Because, as I told them, this isn't my equipment. I don't know what these cables do. I'm not unplugging anything. It's not my equipment. They would claim that I tried to stop them. That's not true. If you watch my footage, they never reached for the cables or any of that. Because I would have just stepped aside and let them embarrass themselves. Because every time they were the court on somebody there, people start chanting and jeering and, and booing and yelling censorship and Twitter and all these other, uh, you know, the essentially various forms of saying censorship and silencing is what they would yell. And anybody who's been following the live streams knows that happened every time they're with the microphone on somebody. <laughs> so it just lets them look bad instantly. So, you know, they come up and they want to do it. I would just decide, I'm like, all right, there you go. I don't have a dog in this fight. You just make yourself look bad. Whatever. People already are, you know, feeling some sort of way. So do it. As far as I was concerned. But, you know, no one tried. They just asked me to do it. Said it's on my equipment. Don't these cables do. So I'm not unplugging anything. It's on my equipment. And I repeated various versions of that, which, you know, it's true. It's not my equipment. I don't know what these cables do. Never did the cables. I just carried the two big speakers because I'm a big boy. Um, so for that, I was kicked out. But let's, t- in case I didn't, because I remember I did went into detail about it or not, I did record this earlier, and it didn't record. So... In between the prayer and the pep talk, Ricky brought up that there is this location that was offering to house the convoy should the time come when they have to leave Hagersville Speedway, Hagerstown Speedway. And that is when they were asking me to unplug the microphone and stuff. They were already kind of like, WTF's going on. But once they started talking about a new location, which, to clarify... A, he never named what the location was. He was going to save that for the tailgate party we were going to have, be throwing later on in the back. On a side note, that's also when I thought this conversation was going to be had originally, is at a tailgate party in the back. So I was a little caught off by surprise too when that became the discussion topic between the prayer and the pep talk. But at the same time, he should have been allowed to say it and he should have just been talked to. But I'm not going to get much into that. So, after he finished his pep talk, while people were yelling at him to quit talk, while Marcus and G were telling him to quit talking, 
he said, here's Jersey, to which Jersey said, I don't know what he's talking about. I don't know what he's talking about. I can't come up there and talk. I don't know what he's talking about. And the name Judas J was born. Again, Jason George, ex-con with a gun. There's surprising charges in that article when you read it. Um, Go just look up that article. Now... When I was walking back to where camp was after the morning meeting. Oh, yeah, let me touch on this real quick. I was told my time up there was limited by Trucker G, who looked me in the eyes and said he had never seen me before a day in his life. Despite him having been at my campfire the night before with the moonshine and beer, drinking it up with us. I have a Convoy 2020 hat with his autograph on it for proof. Now... When I'm walking back to camp, I get stopped by a security guard named Tom. He's a volunteer type. And we're just talking, right? He's telling me that there's a good chance I, I could be getting kicked out. I explain my side of the story. He's like, well, in that case, maybe you won't be. And he's like, well, where's Rick? I'm like, I don't know. But uh, let me grab my phone real quick, which, you know, is a lie. My phone was in my pocket. I ran uh, back to where the bus was, saw there was no one there, shrugged, and walked back. And when I got back, they had armed security who were saying, you're getting the fuck out. You gotta leave, buddy. And you need to get your shit, and you need to get out. And all my property is on the bus, which is locked, and I don't have a key for it. So I'm escorted back to the bus. And they say, uh, you know, get your get your shit out of the bus. And these dudes have guns on them. One of them unholsters their shit while they're threatening me. Well, I take that as a threat. You know, all I got on me is a selfie stick with a GoPro on it. That was using the film the morning meeting. And debacle. So, you know, they tell me to unlock the bus and get my shit and drive on out. And I tell them repeatedly, it's not my bus. It's locked. I don't have a key for it. They don't believe me. They call me a liar, so on and so forth. And you guys know I don't drive a fucking bus. I don't drive a car, period. When I'm home, I tend to bike from place to place. Uh, Because I think it's bullshit that they want you to have a driver's license. It's unconstitutional. Anyway, that's off topic. So they refused to believe me when I told them I didn't have a key to the bus or anything like that. So they then had me escorted out of the entire location and refused to let me get my stuff. They got in a little go-kart and had me walk out. But occasionally they would just floor it, speed the golf cart up so it would be within maybe a foot or less of me, and then let up on the gas, get some more distance, and they did that a few times, clearly threatening me. Again, this is all on my YouTube channel. I'll leave a link in the description of this podcast to my full in-depth story where I'm a lot more organized and a lot more awake than I am currently. Hell, the only reason I recorded this now is just so I can get into the podcast and anyone who didn't know where I was is I'm feeling a little out of the loop. So, they kicked me out. I sit outside for probably about two hours. Oh, yeah, I'm walking outside. This dude comes up and he's like, tell you what, man, you sleep in this tent. You do this editing for me. You give me your hat, because, you know, I always wear my big politician's afraid to get a hat. 
I wore it. I wore it to all the events, and now some of you recognize me the most by it because I'll be wearing that and one of my cool Hawaiian shirts. Which you know what? If you want to accuse me without affiliations, fuck you. I'd be proud to be affiliated, but I'm not. Uh, I have friends who are. If I was ever a member, I'd be like, fuck you guys. Hell yeah, proud member for life. But as a journalist, I feel like being a part of any group, uh, any political group specifically, would you know jeopardize my credibility as a journalist and present an on-paper conflict of interest, which I will not open myself up for or for that ridicule. Keep fucking accusing me of shit, though. I might change that principle and make an exception on this one term. Uh, this episode does me no favors, but this is the podcast where it's a lot more of my non-normy audience, so I can enjoy it here a little bit more. So we get kicked out. I sit outside. Also, I tell that guy to go fuck himself. And again, I can film my live stream later on. So the bus pulls out. Me and Ricky meet back up. We ride off and we, you know, take a couple days. And we start talking about, you know, what what are we going to do? You know, what, what can we do? We get in contact with more people who are kicked out of the convoy. And we're like, you know what? Let's go back to the convoy, have a meeting. But not into the convoy park, just outside of the... Because where the convoy is, is at the speedway. Next to the speedway is a public park. And a road that leads to it, which is public property. So we're like, we're going to park the bus on public property. We're going to have a, a little powwow session, a little meeting. Discuss what to do, from, go from here. And then that day, I quickly realized that everyone had a different plan. Uh, everyone had a way different fucking plan than what was talked about. No one had a meeting... Ricky starts reading up his fucking speakers and blasting out audio. And Brandon parks his car, starts arguing with uh, dudes immediately. Which, I will add this too. It's bullshit that they're, they're saying you're blocking traffic, we can't get in. Two things on that. One, the whole strategy and tactic of the convoy was to slow down and block traffic. And make traffic jams and cause backups and build up the traffic, so on and so forth. So having them complain about having traffic blocked is just fucking funny to me. And second off, on my video, you see a whole couple sixteen wheelers drive in smoothly behind them, and other cars drive past them too. So no, the video, my video itself shows we were not blocking fucking traffic. Neither was he. Again, I don't drive. Neither of these were my vehicle. And I don't think anybody was doing anything fucking wrong so far. No one was on the private property. Everyone was outside of it on the public property, and cars could get by us. So, you know, I'm kind of caught in the chaos. I'm holding one. I'm holding a different person's phone. I got a different person's GoPro going. And I got my phone going on the other side of the GoPro on my selfie stick. My phone on my selfie stick recording. I got somebody else's GoPro all harnessed up and charging my chest and somebody else's phone live streaming on their account. So, you know, I'm literally a walking camera at this point. So I just proceed to film and document everything. Uh, and in the footage, you see a certain Jersey-type individual whisper something to the cops. Cops proceed to approach Brandon, ask, do you have a firearm on you? He asks, you know, how do you know? What, what makes you ask? And the guy says, we have an anonymous report. You know, someone told us that you had one on you. Is that true? 
But he puts his hands, if you look at my footage, it's all there. He puts his hands in the air, says it's right there. Cops take it out. He doesn't put up a fight or anything. And quite frankly, it's bullshit to be arrested for any, unless you used a gun to hurt or kill somebody in a, in not in a non-self-defense situation. All gun charges are bullshit. All gun charges are bullshit. But moving on. So he gets arrested and taken away. And then uh, I take part of a prayer group. And, you know, there's a bunch of small little interactions here and there. And I still say that any gun charge is bullshit. He should not have been arrested that night. He did nothing wrong with it. He didn't brandish it. He didn't show it. No one knew he had it. I didn't fucking know he had it. You know, was it the smart move? No. He should have read up into what the gun laws were in that state. And he didn't. But that happens to literally hundreds of people in this country, if not a thousand or so of people every year in this country. They drive from their home state across another state, going somewhere else in a different state. Cop pulls them over. They're like, oh, I got a um, hello, officer. Here's my insurance uh, driver's license, and I'm carrying. Cop's like, oh, what are you carrying? Oh, well, that gun's illegal in this state. Sorry, you didn't know. I'm going to arrest you for it. And it's a big old ticket or a lot of time in jail, which is fucking retarded but after he's arrested again unjustly as far as i'm fucking concerned um arguments are had between other people and i take part in a little prayer session with a guy who looks like he's from the band corn then again i think i have a new white guy with dreadlocks so we do a prayer sesh and we get on our bus, and we leave. And that's about it for me in the Speedway. I haven't been back to the Speedway since, and that was about a week ago now, maybe between five and seven days ago now. Honestly, days are starting to bleed together out here. And uh, now I'm in it. I'm still on the east coast of the country, but I'm not in Maryland anymore. Uh, I'm gonna just say I'm in an undisclosed location somewhere in in the state cluster of states in that little area where it's a bunch of small states i'm somewhere over there doing and i'm doing some real investigative journalist stuff here um i'm not going to go into any detail about anything but there's something going on behind the scenes it's not convoy related it's a, a different story was brought to my attention and i'm investigating it and that's all I'm going to say on it for now. But there's real investigative journalism going on. And it doesn't matter how much rest I get. It seems like I'm always on E. But. That is currently where we are at in the story. I have been. Oh, also on this trip I was baptized. I found God to go figure. Pretty much everything I didn't expect to happen, happened. Um, made a lot of friends, found a close-knit community of people who are like-minded. It was good. Even in the bad parts, I found goodness. And right now, I am safe. I'm protected. I have a group of people around me, and I'm networking with people every day. And good people. Good, patriotic type of people who just want to be talked and heard. And all that going on while I'm still doing my investigative stuff in the background. I also covered the Coy Griffin case while I was here, too. Um, 
and Coy Griffin is Cowboys for Trump by cover two days of his court trial. And that should roughly have you guys all caught up. And again, the whole reason I'm filming this or recording this is just for anybody who did not go to the YouTube channel. Won't feel like, uh, you know, they'll be caught up. They'll be in the loop of things that happen. And with that, I'm going to wrap this episode up and get into the normal, get in the normally scheduled news coverage podcast. It'll be a nice break for me while I do this background stuff, stuff in the background. Uh, that being said, this is James Madison wearing the uh, newsman fedora. And this has been Inside Four Walls, powered by Sin Media. I'll talk to you guys later.